Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you uh, on this cold Sunday. It's still kind of winter feeling out there, even though it's getting close to spring. But it's good to see you here at church. I'm Brian, one of the associate pastors, and you're visiting with us. We're glad that you're, you're here, and welcome to our online folks as well. So today, our passage, as Blake said, we're going to be looking at Job today. Okay, We're going to be looking at the book of Job, and we're going to read a few passages. Um, and so what we're going to have on the screen is Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Then Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. But I'm going to read a few extra as well in here. So you can just listen or follow along when I'm reading those passages on the screen. Um, But this is going to be uh, looking at Job. There was once a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. The man was blameless, upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And there were born to him seven sons and three daughters. Now verses 6 through 12. One day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord... And the accuser also came among them. And the Lord said to the accuser, Where have you come from? And the accuser answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to the accuser, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then the accuser answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a fence around him and his house and all he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to the accuser, Very well, all that he has is in your power. Only do not stretch out your hand against him. So the accuser went out from the presence of the Lord. Then Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And one day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to the accuser, Where have you come from? And the accuser answered the Lord, From going to and fro the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to the accuser, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. Then the accuser answered the Lord, Skin for skin, all that the man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to the accuser, Very well, he's in your power, only spare his life. So the accuser went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And then Job took a potsherd and scraped himself, sat among the ashes. And then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he answered to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. So shall we, shall we receive good from God and not receive bad? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I added a little extra in there to give you a little bit more uh, flavor to this passage of Job about who Job is and what really happened to him. But let's back up a little bit. In life, let's just look at life. And I bet some of y'all are like this in life. We like things to be nice, neat, and orderly for the most part, right? I'm really OCD. If you, if you look at my desk, some people will say, your desk is too clean or it's too organized. And I'm like, well, I, it gives me some comfort and peace to have my nice little stacks or have it clean and organized. If you see it real messy, that means things are off the rails right now and I'm just losing touch. But it's nice, neat, and orderly. I like things like that. You know, growing up, 
One of my favorite activities was Legos, playing with Legos. I don't know how many of y'all have done Legos as a child or had kids in your household that liked Legos. And you step on them, they hurt really bad. But Legos are nice, neat, and orderly if you, don't, if you think about it. Normally when you buy a brand new box, it's got the instructions and it's got the pictures. And you have all the right pieces and you just snap them into place. If you follow the process, at the end you have a really cool spaceship. That's why I like to build spaceships. If you had a really cool Lego spaceship... And then what I tried to do, I tried to crash it and see how well it stood together, and I put it back together and all that kind of stuff. And so Legos was a great pastime. I like neat and orderly. Just like math, for those folks who are really math-minded, you like 2 plus 2 will give you 4, right? You like 3 times 3 will give you 9, right? And 14 divided by 2 will give you 7, or 2,236 plus 1,426 will get you 3,662, right? You like that. It's orderly. And that's correct, by the way. You can double-check it later when you watch the sermon at home. But we, we like that. But you know what? As a preacher, and I bet even as a Christian, the book of Job just really messes things up. It really does. Is it really makes Christianity and faith messy. Because guess what? It messes up the whole idea of if you do everything right, you'll get the nice jet and the best car out there and have six figures in the bank account and a good-looking spouse and everything, right? But Job messes that up. And that's what we wrestle with today. You see, right now we're in the series Devil in the Details. And so we're looking at scenes in the Bible where the devil shows up and what we can learn from that, and how we can spot evil in our life, and how we can deal with evil in our life. We started out with Revelations, where it kind of gives you the final big battle there with the dragon, which represents the devil being cast out from heaven and forced to roam the earth, not allowed back into heaven. Then we looked at the serpent in the garden, and the fall, and how he tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit. And then we follow Jesus last week when he's in the wilderness before he begins his ministry and being tempted by the devil and resisting. And so today we look at what's called the accuser or Satan, as you read some translations, okay? And how he was used in this moment with Job. How God even used the devil to fulfill his plan for Job and, and in his life. And so let's, let's take a look here. The reason why I read the first, first verse and second verse was to really drive in the point that Job was a blameless man, upright, who feared God, turned away from evil, had ten kids, seven sons, three daughters. The number seven and three means something in Scripture. It means perfect. So he had the perfect family. And if you continue to read in the first chapter, he had a lot of possessions. It names how many camels he has and names his faithful wife and all these great things. And he just really had it going on, right? He was your, your charter church member, leadership council chair, Sunday school teacher guy, 10% tithe giver. He was the, the perfect, faithful man, if there was one ever to be, okay? And even God would say this to the accuser about Job, being blameless, faithful. He had it going on, and he had the blessings to show it, right? So he was a faithful man, type A, very good, rock star, God-believing man with a wonderful life and wonderful property. He had it all, okay? And he was blameless. 
Well, then you get the scene in heaven that Job does not get to see. Okay, He does not get to see this moment. But then you have God having like a meeting with the angels. Okay, Heavenly beings. They're all having a heaven meeting. Okay, Whatever they talk about in the heaven meetings. And then amongst the crowd was the accuser. And now remember, he is a fallen angel. Remember from the book of Revelations, he and a third of the angels rebelled against God and they were cast down to the earth, okay? So this was before that because the accuser apparently said, oh, I'm coming to and from earth. God's like, hey, Satan, where have you been? Oh, I've just been hanging out on earth, hanging out in heaven, just kind of hanging out, meddling with stuff. And he said, all right, how about this? There's a faithful man out there and his name is Job. He turns away from evil. You can't mess with him. But you know what the accuser said? The accuser said, well, of course he's faithful. You've protected him. You've given him everything that he needs. But I bet if you start stretching your hand out and letting some of his property and possessions and family move off, die, go away, I bet he'd curse you to your face. And God said, all right, fine. You got it? You can mess with his property only. But you can go ahead and mess with it, and let's see what happens. And that's what happens. If you read the rest of the first chapter, the accuser goes down, livestock, camel. Basically, Job is sitting at his house, and one of his servants comes running to him and says, hey, guess what? All your livestock are dead. And he's like, what? And then another servant comes and says, guess what? Your fields are all scorched and burned. And then another man comes and says, your sons were having a party at a house and it collapsed and they're all dead. It's like boom, boom, boom. Everything that he had, possession-wise, was gone in a moment's notice. Gone. Gone. But yet, did Job curse God? No. He did not. Even though he lost everything. Now, that's hard for us to kind of understand because in our lives, if you live long enough, some bad stuff's going to happen to you. You're going to make a bad investment or you're going to get some ailment and you spend all your money on medical bills or your house might catch fire or you might have a car wreck and total your car. Something may happen to your kids. If you live long enough, something's going to happen. And it's going to be a test of your faith because in your mind, you're going to be, God, what did I do to deserve this? I was just living life, and I've lost all my money, or I lost my house, or I lost my kids. And you're going to struggle with that. Now, there are some times in life, yes, your sin will lead to negative consequences. I mean, look at King David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and she was pregnant with his child, but then the child died. Okay? There was consequence for his sin. And so sometimes our sin will lead to some consequences that we have to deal with. And God's going to be there with you, crying with you and all holding your hand. But he's going to be like, you still have to suffer consequences for your sin. But then there are moments in life where you're just bebopping down old Canton Road and you're turning on the Hoyer Road and bam, you get hit with a car. Out of nowhere. And you're just laid up in a hospital bed and the car's gone and you're never quite right again. Listen to Caleb also on top of that, all right? And you're sitting here thinking, why? I was listening to Caleb and I got hit in the... And I, I was doing nothing. Why did this happen to me? And the person that hit me that was wrong, they walk away scot-free. 
We have those moments in our life. And in those moments, some of us turn to God and we curse him. Or we just turn away from him and just block him out. And see, that's what the devil thought was going to happen to Job. He said, you know what, God? He's had everything given to him in life. Take away some of his possessions and he'll curse you. But guess what? He did not. And so you get to then this second scene. It sounds like a repeat. When you get to chap- the second, second chapter, it seems like it's repeating. It kind of is. But it's setting the stage for something else. Because there again, there's the heavenly meeting of the heavenly beings. And Satan can still have access to go up to heaven and to earth. And God sent Satan in the crowd. And he says, Satan, where have you been? And Satan's like, mm, going from here to there, the earth, heaven, meddling with stuff, messing with Job. And God said, look, Job didn't curse me. He didn't turn away from me. You took away all of his possessions. And Job's like, yeah, 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 but he's still healthy. You start messing with his health, he'll curse you. He'll curse you. And God said, fine, go and inflict him, but don't kill him. And so what happens? Job then is inflicted with sores from the heels of his feet to the crown of his head. And if you continue to read through Job, there's a lot of ailments that he gets hit with. And at one point, he is just, it says he is just skin on bones. That's all he is. At one point, he gets so sick. And in that moment of poor health, even his wife says, Job, just give up. Give up. Don't have integrity anymore and just curse God and just go ahead and die. Just die. And some of us have been so sick, we just want to roll over and die, okay? Job was sicker than that. But he said no. He said, while we gladly receive the good from God, but we also have to take in the bad as well. And so there you have it. There you have it. There you have Job, a faithful man, blameless, losing everything from property to family to health. To where his own wife says, why don't you just roll over and die? And he says no. We have to take it all from God. You see, this messes with us a little bit, right? We want faith to be one of those things where if we go to church and read our Bible and say the right prayers and give our 10% and go on the mission trips, serve on the committees, hand out blessing bags and all that good stuff, we want to be like, hey, if we do all that, that's just giving us good points with God. And guess what? I'm going to get that four-bedroom, three-bath house on an acre lot with the best neighbor. That's just going to pop into my world. And I'm going to get that extra pay raise. And my family is going to be happy and healthy. And we're never going to fight. And we're going to live to 85 years old and die in our rocking chair by the Christmas tree. Okay? No. That is not how it's going to work. Life happens, even if you do good things and there's nothing wrong. And we should continue to do those things because we are called to do that. But we shouldn't make the assumption that because we do these things, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all good. I said earlier, I taught a Bible study this morning. It was on Romans, but then we kind of got off the trail and talked about Job and, and some parallels in other parts of Scripture. And... When you look at the book of Job, you also see a lot of parallels in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus, before he comes down into human flesh, he's up in the heavens living the good life with God. 
But then he is sent down on earth, half man, half God, where he can feel our pain, where he has every ache in his joints that we might have, where he can feel sadness and cry, where he can feel anger, where he can feel betrayal and being humiliated. He lived a life that was not always easy. He even was physically torn apart and nailed to a tree for our sake. Where he was at his lowest, that was Job. Job had it all. Job suffered immensely and lost everything. But yet, when you continue on in the story of Job, you see that his friends come and sit with him in the ashes, but yet then they start talking to him. And that's where they start getting it wrong. And they say, well, Job, you must have done something bad. You really did, because there's no way you'd had all this infliction of pain if you were good and blameless. And they said, you really must have done something wrong. And so they started talking to him, and they started saying the wrong thing. And you know, sometimes in life, when people are going through difficult stuff, they just want to know that you care, and that you just show up and sit in the ashes with them. A lot of times, we're in, I'm called out as pastor to go see folks. I'm not going to say anything sometimes that will make you feel better. But just presence is important. Just sitting in the ashes is important. And so in the story, Job's friends started talking and saying the wrong stuff. And then eventually, Job had his chance to ask God, what is going on? What did I do? If you continue to read on in Job. And God said, well, were you there when I created the stars? Were you there when I separated the seas? Were you there when I created humans? He started blaming it all, like two chapters worth of stuff. Like, were you there when I did this and did this and did that? And Job's like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to open my mouth. And God's like, well, what do you say for yourself? And he said, I put my hands over my mouth. I'm not saying it again. He said, well, let me tell you what else that you don't know. And he started naming all these things off to Job. And basically, God told Job his answer. While these things were happening, while God allowed these things to happen through the accuser, his answer was, because I am God and you are not. And that's what Job got. And so some things in life, we may not fully understand why it happened the way it did. And we may not like that answer. But what this book shows us, this is why it's a difficult book, but I'm glad they did include it in the Bible. Because it's, it's real. As I said earlier, if you live life long enough, even though you think you're doing all the right stuff, bad things are still going to happen and there's no rhyme or reason. No rhyme or reason that we can understand. Just as Blake said, when God's playing chess against the devil, he's making moves and sometimes he will allow certain things to be sacrificed in the game of chess so the ultimate goal is that God is victorious. And we may not know in the game why certain pieces were sacrificed, but they were for the greater good. In our lives, we may not understand why God did that. Job may not fully understand why God did what he did. But what we see here in this, in this story and in the book of Job is that, A, God is in control. He can control even the devil. He can even control the devil. The devil is not greater than he. The devil is actually taking orders and getting permission from God. So while we may think in our life that the devil is 
superior or equal to God, we need to realize he is not. Evil is not. God's grace is greater than any sin that we can commit. And God's goodness is greater than any evil that the devil can come up with. And so I think this book shows us that. It also shows us of what we need to do while it's still difficult, but we are to remain in faith. Just as Jesus, as he was nailed to the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But yet he says, not my will, but yours. Even Jesus on the cross, crying out in pain, saying, why does it have to be this way? But yet this is your will, not mine. I surrender. And just as Job sat in the ashes and didn't curse God, he surrendered. And so I think what this shows us that while it's difficult, we must remain faithful. Because at the end of the story, Job, he got everything back. God blessed him. Got his family back. Got a new wife 2.0. Got all his possessions. His family came. Sat with him. They all had a big banquet. It was great. At the end... Job was restored. Jesus was resurrected and restored. For us and our pain and our suffering, there will be a time where we will be restored. We just don't know when it will be. We are to remain faithful in the process, no matter how difficult it was or how difficult it currently is. And it's messy. Like I said, many of us like the nice, neat, and orderly that 2 plus 2 equals 4. But the book of Job shows us that 2 plus 2 equals 8. And we don't like that sometimes. So in our faith, may we remain steadfast, knowing that God is in control. That evil is not superior to him. That good wins out. And that in our time, there will be a point where we are fully restored with our creator. And we will celebrate that. Let us pray.